Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Welcome to episode 85 of the Feeling Good podcast. We are back with the Tuesday group with uh, new volunteers. Today, uh, David will be working with uh, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hi. And uh, demonstrating a role play technique called forced empathy. So, David, could you tell our listeners what is forced empathy? That sounds like a contradiction in terms. Oh, absolutely. Let me also introduce Rhonda Borowski, uh, who is a clinical psychologist. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and has been uh, coming to the Tuesday group, the Sunday hikes. And uh, she's kind of going to be my, my co-therapist to demonstrate this, th- this technique. Yes, forced empathy is one of the role-play techniques. Uh, I've created probably five or ten role-play techniques, and we're bringing uh, many of them to life for you one a week in the, in the current, current series. And forced empathy is an unusual term. Uh, the idea is to help a client see the world through the eyes of someone that they're, they're at odds with. And to make the technique effective, you have to do good empathy with the client and good, good agenda setting. The, 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 the patient or client has to really want a better relationship with the person he or she is not, not getting along with. If you do have that, that agenda, it, it can be uh, shockingly uh, sh- shockingly effective and pretty amazing technique, and it's 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 kind of I would say steeped also in the Buddhist tradition that when you if you can see the world through the eyes of somebody you're not getting along with or somebody that you're ticked off uh, at, it can have a tremendous beneficial effect on 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 the conflict. I, I used it on the telephone today. Uh, I was working with, with a young man who is, is all upset at his uh, at his roommate because his, his roommate's been kind of pulling back, and, and they, they had a very intense relationship for a year. And then in the la- recent weeks or months, the, the roommate has been kind of be, being standoffish, and and he didn't didn't understand why and he was kind of hurt and angry and and so I did the forced empathy and and said I'd like you to be your roommate and and let me ask you about you know the patient who will we'll call Jerry it's not his real name and so as he was playing as his the roommate then I cross-examined the roommate why why are you being standoffish uh, and and it seems like you you've pulled back uh, from from your friend, uh, and uh, and then as he had to answer these questions, it suddenly became clear to him what what the conflict was, why the roommate had been pulling back, and it was just a tremendous relief to him because he'd been making the interpretation that the roommate was pulling back from him because he was 
worthless or defective or unlovable, some of you know, these global interpretations we make that cause depression. Then it turned out to, to be something very, very specific and, and workable be, between the two of them. And, and it's just a perfect example where sometimes empathy can, can be a tremendous relief to, to you, the person who's, who's empathizing with your enemy or your, your antagonist. Now, David, wouldn't this assume a little bit that uh, the person you're working with knows what's going on for their roommate or partner or, um, you know, co-worker. Isn't that a little bit of doing mind reading? Yeah, that's the, all techniques have a downside, and that would be a potential downside for sure that you have to be careful about. But as we'll demonstrate it here with, uh, with Robert and his conflict with his son Max and his daughter Maya, what we'll discover is that often the, the patient has a much better understanding the person than they realize but they they tend not to go there they tend not not to think about it and so when you do forced empathy you can draw a lot more uh, information uh, out of them it like any technique it's it's not effective 100 of the time we don't know if it'll be effective uh, t tonight but it, it's certainly worth a try i would say it was one of the least used of my 50 basic techniques in fact it's not even one of the on my list of 50, it's more on my list of 51 to 100 te techniques. But lately, it's gotten tremendously popular in, in our training groups, and people, for one reason or another, have gotten incredibly uh, excited about it. So I thought, heck, let's 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 give it a try and and uh, see if we can make it work tonight. And, and maybe some some of you, if you're a therapist, might want to try it with with some of your patients. What's your experience with it, Rhonda? And then we'll 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 go ahead and do it. But well, actually, I work with a lot of um, couples who are in conflict with each other. And if you've done a skillful, a lot of agenda setting and they're really motivated to work on the relationship, I found it really helpful. Okay, let's try it. Um, now, uh, Robert, t tell us a little bit about your, your conflict with your, your son, Max. We were working on a little earlier in the group tonight when we were working on other techniques. And I said, let's hold the, 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 uh, the forced empathy for for the podcast, so this will be very, very real. Uh, but tell us a little bit about the kind of conflict that happens between you and your son, Max. Well, to um, describe my situation, Max is 11 years old. Uh, he is uh, cognitively extremely bright and well-liked by many people. Uh, he gets along with many people except for his sister, his little sister, Maya. Maya is seven years old um, and tends to be somewhat playful. Uh, she loves her brother very much, and whenever she tries to interact with him, or most times that when she tries to interact with him, she, he is at best dismissive of her, uh, often um, angry with her, there's tends to there tends to be a, a competition that he holds with her, and she's starting now to do this back as, as she's as she's starting to age. Uh, she's starting to get upset with him as well. And then you were mentioning when you try to bring this up with her, if he says something cutting or hurtful to her, and, and you try to you know, give him some indication that you don't want him to behave like that, that you'd like him to behave more more lovingly, then he starts saying that you don't love him and that uh, he, he complains that you're not uh, uh, supporting him and that you 
that you love Maya more, and you know he gets right, t- right, exactly, of- exactly. He goes to a place of he will get angry, and will say things to me very much like that. Uh, you love her more. You let her get away with this stuff. If I do it, it's not okay. You'll yell at me, but with her, everybody loves Maya, and. Nobody loves me. Things of this nature. Okay, right. Now here's how you set up the forced empathy. Uh, first of all, uh, I'm going to ask you and do do a little role play uh, to to play the the role of Max. Do, do you agree to that? Sure. Okay. Now there's several rules you have to follow in this uh, imaginary dialogue. We're going to have. Uh, the first rule is you have to agree to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Do you, do you agree? When you say that, the truth as Max sees it? Y- yes. Being uh-huh. truthful to who Max is. Right. But, for example, if I say to you, you sometimes get angry and hurt when your father criticizes you, you have to say yes okay. because that's the truth. You, right. you know, and this, and that, this brings us to the second rule. You, you can't use denial or rationalization. Okay. And, and you have to be totally honest and open. Even if Max would not do that. Yeah. Even if Max said, uh-huh. no, you don't. Exactly. No, you yeah, yeah. That you're not allowed to do in I'm this role. I'm not allowed play. to do yeah. that. Okay. And, and a, the third rule is you have to agree to represent his conscious and subconscious mind. Okay. To, to the, be, the best of your ability. So uh, Rhonda and I are going to be uh, two two friends of yours, and we'll we're friends of of, of Max. And we'll we'll just to keep it simple, Rhonda. You can use your first name, Rhonda, and I'll I'll be be David. And, or and, I can give you their names. The names of who? His friends. No, no these, these, these wouldn't friends. be his real friends. These, okay. these would be some special friends that he can be totally, totally honest with. Um, and, um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll just see what, what happens here. Um, so uh, Robert, um, or I mean Max, Max, um, you know who I am, David and Rhonda, your, your best friends here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was wondering, could we talk to you for, uh, for a minute? Sure. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about what goes on at, at home. And, and Rhonda and I have heard through the grapevine that uh, uh, sometimes you get into uh, conflicts with your little sister, that you're sometimes kind of uh, dismissive toward her, uh, angry, uh, kind of a little, little bit mean to her. Uh, and, and that also then so- sometimes your father corrects you and it feels to you like like you know Maya your little sister gets all all the love and that uh, nobody loves you and your dad and others are are, are yelling at at you and, and and feels to you like your dad loves Maya more it, it is this correct what I'm thinking yeah yeah it's totally unfair if Maya does anything, it's just fine. But if I do anything, they both mom and dad just yell at me and they tell me that she's a, she's my little sister and I should just let her have it, whatever it is. It's just totally unfair. Well, tell us what it's like for you when you're hanging out with Maya, when you're at home with Maya and and she wants to interact with you. What is that like for you? Well, she just seems to bug me. It's... it's uh, the things she's interested in, I'm just not interested in. 
So you don't have anything in common with Maya? No, she she wants to play little girl and um I, I, I just don't whatever it is, I think if it's something I like when she's doing it, I don't like it. Yeah, so what does that feel like to you? I, she wants to play with little girl games, like playing with yeah. dolls and she wants you to play with her. What does that feel like for you? Well, I think it just bugs me because everybody, especially dad, he plays along with it. You know, she'll play little girl or she's got these little uh, characters she plays and and it's like a little baby and, and he plays with her. That sounds with it. like it's really irritating to you. Can you say more about how it irritates you? Well, it, it's kind of irritating. I'm more I don't care. I just don't want to be around it. Is it irritating to you because you feel like maybe she's doing a better job of competing for your parents' attention? Like, you know, she gets a lot of love and everyone thinks Maya's wonderful, but you get put down and criticized a lot? I think so. I, she's she's really cute. And, you know, sometimes Dad will even have me admit that. Mm-hmm. You know, and she is. She's cute, but everybody likes her. And do you, do you sometimes think maybe that people don't like like you as much? You'd like them to like you more. I don't know. I don't think that deeply. Well, tell, tell give us give us your best shot at it right now. I think that's what my dad thinks. Well, what what I, what, what I do you just, think? I just I just feel the feeling of being annoyed. Mm-hmm. I'm just not interested, and and there's part of me that does enjoy like 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 teasing her. Mm-hmm. I, I I smile sometimes, and I'll I'll say things. I'll know something bothers her, but now she's starting to fight back, and when she fights back, I fight back, and then we get into this fighting back, and. It really gets my dad angry when we're going back and forth. What's that like for you, Max, when your dad gets ma- angry? Well, of course he gets mad at me. And he'll come in and he'll tell me to be quiet or he'll tell me to stop because I'm older and that I should I should be the mature one. And it's it just doesn't feel right because he never notices what she does or he, 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 he never takes her side. And sometimes he'll point out that he does and... and but but it's like he'll do it once or twice to like 200 times that he takes her side. So it sounds like um, one thing you're saying here, Max, is it, it feels like you, you don't feel a lot of love from your father sometimes and, and that you like his love is, is super important to you. But, but you're saying he loves her all the time and only rarely says nice things to you and that he criticizes you, you a lot. Is that, is that, am I getting that? Sometimes I don't feel he loves me. But for me, it just seems unfair. I keep going to it's not fair. How would, how would you like it to be? What would it look like if it was fair? I'd like him to get mad at her sometimes instead of me. Oh, okay. Does he ever get mad at her? Yeah, this is one of these moments, if I'm going to be truthful to Max, yeah. Max, on the conscious level, 
I think he would say not enough or no. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go with no. No, he he does he does sometimes, but like I said, it's like one or two times he'll get mad at her. Yeah. But so were you feeling then that he loves her more? I'm afraid of that. She spends a lot more time with her with my with mom than I get. Dad spends more time with me. Hmm. He spends time with you, but it sounds yeah. like you don't if feel, I, if I always a, feel loved. If I get a choice, I'd rather be with mom because she's got the nicer car. It's got internet. Oh, that sounds real good. Yeah. That's, that's real good. But I was just asking you, and you kind of changed the topic there just a little bit. Like, or Were you saying that uh, so, sometimes you, you feel like maybe he doesn't love you a, a whole lot and that you as much as you might want, or maybe he doesn't? Yeah. Sometimes I really do feel that way. Sometimes I really do think he loves her more than he loves me. And how does that feel to you? I want to cry. I see. Well, and then what, what does that mean to you? If he, if he did love her more, what would that mean to you? Why would that be upsetting to you? How would that feel to you? It's not, it's not fair. Tell us, tell, tell us about, about it being unfair. And if he love, well, he if he loves her more than he loves me, I don't know. I'm kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that would mean. Do you want him to love you as much as he loves her? Yeah. I mean, when we're playing with the dog, that's the best. We, he and I play with the dog. We love we love the dog. Yeah. Um, we love the puppy. Yeah. And Dogs are great that way. Mom and, and Maya don't like the dog as much. Yeah. But we love the dog. And when he and I and the dog are together and we're driving together, it's the best. It's, wow, that sounds wonderful. It's the best. I get to sit in front now because I'm big enough. Oh, neat. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, one other question for you, and then Rhonda might have a, some questions for you too. But I, what, is there something that you might want to tell your dad, like right now, if he was listening? I want to tell him. I keep coming back to. I want to tell him to be fair. It just. I know I'm older on one level, but on another level, it's like she gets everything. Well, I have another question for you here. You want to tell him that you want him to be fair, and and that you tell him that that he gets he tells you tell him that you get yelled at, that nobody loves you. How does he react when you tell him these things? I want him to know to be easier on me, to be nicer to me. Well, Sometimes would, he's not nice to me, and it really hurts. Are you a little afraid of him? He's a powerful guy don't know you want him to be to bring out that that gentle little gentleness and love yeah. and warmth well, what do you think your dad doesn't understand about your needs i don't think he sees maya like i do i don't think he sees that she's she's sometimes starts it he always thinks it's me so what do you need from him I need him to see that I'm not always the one that starts it. 
What would it mean to you if he if he understood that and and, and told you that? Well, subconsciously, I would like to see her get in trouble. Uh, it would feel good to me to see her get in trouble because I am I seem to be. You're the one in trouble all the time. I'm the one in trouble. So it sounds like there's some competition between you and Maya for your parents' attention and for the love between the two of you. Is that is that how it feels? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I think I'm trying to be Max here. I'm sorry I'm falling out of this, but yes, I would say that's right. There's there's a way that they would rather be with her than with me. Okay, so let's stop the, the role play now and let's just see if there's been anything that's been accomplished here. So what was it like for you to play the role of Max? I struggled with um, staying in that mindset because he's so locked in his view. He's, he, really, he really feels his view. And he's at, an, he's at an age where he fights to win. It's not fighting for truth. So he'll say things that are not right, and then he'll feel them as he says them, and then they become more right. He's, he's doing the distortion of his feelings sure. and truth. So you kind of knew that stuff al- already. Would it be fair to say that the technique did not bring you any fresh insight? There was a moment that really did, yeah. What was and, that moment? It was the desire to be loved, that there is a part of him. There's a, there's a way that I'm aware with myself that because of what I was just saying to you a moment ago, Rhonda, um, uh, that of, of how he's fighting to, for, to win and not for truth, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that doesn't completely believe him. I dismiss it as, as him not seeing the whole thing, but I, 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 uh, what this what this exercise did for me is it made me really see that whether whether it's objectively true or not, it is his subjective experience that he really does feel this hurt, and I I embodied that. There was points where I was starting to tear up. And what was that point when you put your hand on my wrist? I'm trying. I'm, trying to remember I'm not can you help me you had said something that it was like that was it and then I responded it was the meaning of enlightenment but I'm only allowed to say it once on each podcast (laughs) (laughs) but it it might be just as humble as as what you said that that you get into power struggles with him and he says all these irrational things and rants and raves about fairness and you're always criticizing him and and he distorts distorts things but i think the point that under underneath that he he needs to hear from his his dad that his dad dad loves him and i know you are a pretty powerful guy i i experience you sometimes as intimidating and the other night after group when you turned to me and, and said how much you appreciated the, the Tuesday groups, it meant so, it practically brought tears to my eyes. And I tell you the truth, that that's like I made a big thing about that. And I wrote about that in the book I'm writing. I don't know if I told you that. No. Uh, it, it was it was so meaningful for for me because oh. uh, I was kind of thinking about maybe I'm getting kind of old and over the hill and. 
I'm not famous enough. And, and, and then when you said that, that, then I suddenly saw what was really beautiful and meaningful in, in my life. And, uh, uh, and it, it just, it just really touched me when you shared that gentle, mm-hmm. gentle side of yourself. And, uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe that would be more powerful as a way of connecting with him than, you know, the, the more powerful yeah um, is that it there I do attempt that with him I I have entered into this conversation from all uh, angles from, from from many angles I have been the Graconian father yeah you will if you live in my house yeah. you will live by my rules I have been the help me understand. I have tr- I have done five secrets. I have explored cognitive distortions with them. It's hard being a psychologist, son. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, and I I I often will circle back to just truth. And the truth is, I love my son deeply and intensely. I love my daughter deeply and intensely, and I love my wife deeply and intensely. But specifically with Max. I am so proud of him in so many ways in his life. And that does help. It does help when I tell him that. Just not with his sister. Can I ask another question? So given what you've learned today, and Mm -hmm. it sounds like a lot of this was familiar to you, but one of the things you said you learned is that you you understand that sometimes you don't believe him and sometimes you do dismiss him. And David was talking about you know, showing the gentle right. side to you, of you to him. So, given that insight that sometimes mm-hmm. you're dismissive and you don't believe right. him, what what do you think a next course of action could be in healing the relationship? Thank you, Rhonda. Because if David is only allowed to do enlightenment once, that was your turn. Because that was the point that I put my hand on you was what you just said. Um, just this realization that that he really deeply does feel it. And so I got so lost in that that I missed the second part of your question. So what did you say? So with that understanding, uh-huh. what do you think your next course of action could be in your relationship with Max? Well, I have half a fantasy of having him listen to this podcast. Um, that would be good, I think. Yeah. I I, I would like that. Um and I, I, it's a great question, Rhonda. I, I see myself as just continuing to show up, continuing to make errors, continuing to own them. The one thing that you teach so much, David, and one of the things I appreciate, you, I, I always say this wrong, but you always talk about failing gloriously. Yeah. Um, failing beautifully. I'm not quite sure how you put it. I always had my own. Failing words. joyfully. Failing joyfully. I continue to, to strive to be the best best father I can. Um, I mean, I've, I'm going to repeat myself, but I, I, I have such deep admiration and respect for my son. I am so impressed with so many things that he does and the way he acts in the world. He's, um, he's amazing. Right. And but what you've, but what you've learned is that he really does feel un- unloved in a very right and, and that may be something you want to and talk to him about and that's what i somehow am not 
Connecting consistently with yeah. demonstrating to yeah. him that he's not hearing. Well, we'll see what happens after tonight, and uh, you know, maybe you can report back after you and your uh, son, and maybe your your daughter as well, have uh, taken a listen to the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, Robert. So, if I could add a, a couple of procedural questions, because that's what I do here. <laughs> uh, I, what I notice is that in this particular role play. Uh, we had first uh, Robert take the the place of Max and his conflict or disagreement toward his sister, which um, briefly kept Robert off the hook. But then we moved to how about his relationship to you, Robert? I mean, or, you know, how about your relationship, Max, to your to your father? Yeah. And then that was a little bit more intense because. Robert had to take his son's position against himself. Yeah, right. And and that's where I've where I've seen the the uh, forced empathy uh, happen before, but I had not seen it happen where you first take a third party target and then you move it back mm. to the the person you're working with. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I love I love what you're saying. Any other comments or observations or questions? Well, so so the other comment is. Um, it, it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, that this may not be like a standalone technique. Uh, you, and right, I have, yeah. you and I have worked uh, this technique before where it was about when you do the interpersonal decision-making and you really feel like you certainly don't want to put all the work into fixing the relationship with somebody else. But if you if you start doing some forced empathy, you you begin to see their side and how you might be contributing to it, and then you may be willing to to change your 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 stance on the interpersonal decision making. Well, that that that's a good point. What you're hoping for, and we didn't see it necessarily super bright light bulb going on here in today's demo. It was a little softer. Version of it, I suspect. But sometimes when you're doing it, you, you'll just see a light bulb go on in the in the brain of the yeah. other person when they suddenly see something that that they've been missing, and it causes everything to to fall into a little little different uh, perspective. Just for a point of order here, the interpersonal decision making is when uh, you have somebody who's working on the relationship issue, and you ask them whether they're actually willing to go with the status quo, if there are that um, they prefer to end the relationship, or if they're willing to take 100% responsibility for the changes. Yeah. And the third one is the most difficult, isn't it? A absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, and yeah. uh, see you next week. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. And thank you, Rhonda. Thank, thank you. you. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good podcast. For more information. Visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. Mm -hmm.